0: The Submariner is reported to have destroyed a United States Air Force jet with, Han. I'm informed that he destroyed it with its own missiles. Curious. The mutant terrorist Magneto, who recently had a catastrophic confrontation with the Avengers at the United Nations, is reported to have destroyed a cargo ship in the Atlantic, and to have hijacked another vessel, the SS Myrmidon. The titan known as Typhon has also sunk an American submarine in the Mediterranean Sea, before coming into conflict with Hercules. In news not involving the destruction of American vessels, around 45 minutes from now, we hope to bring you excerpts from Khazar's press conference in New York. This is Doombot HB5 for the VOL.
1: Zero, one, eight...
0: This is The Voice of Latvia. 018. Here in Latveria, we get news from all over the world. The news may be good or bad, but we will always tell you the truth as Lord Doom sees it.
1: Every week on The Voice of Latveria, we examine Marvel Comics history through the career of its greatest hero, Dr. Victor Von Doom. And now, here's your host. Douglas Walk, the man who has read every Marvel superhero comic book and lived to tell us all about it. Thank you, DoombotBR22. This week, we're looking at Dr. Doom's first confrontation with Daredevil. And my guest is Christine Hanifalk, who's probably written more analysis of Daredevil than almost anyone else. She's the creator of the website The Other Murdoch Papers and one of the people behind the Save Daredevil campaign. Christine, welcome. Can you tell us a little about, like, the other Murdoch papers and your kind of history with with Daredevil.
2: Oh sure, um, it's kind of a kind of a weird uh, history. I've always been into superheroes. Um, in even as a kid, I would I read some like Superman was mostly what they had at the store when I was growing up. Just kind of at the grocery store that that I could read in Swedish. I'm, I'm Swedish, and um, so I, I read some of that. I read some of the other comics, and then kind of. I mean, I, I got older and I guess I uh, sort of stopped reading the comics for a while, but I was always into uh, comic book movies and superheroes and that kind of thing. So whenever um, a new superhero movie would come out, I, I usually watch it. And uh, so my way into this is actually via the the Daredevil movie, which is kind of a, a, interesting and surprises a lot of people. But I saw that back in, I mean, it came out in 2003. I, I think I uh, first time I watched it was in two thousand and four and it never made it to the the movie theaters here, so I rented it uh, back when you still rented movies and I watched it and thought it was just kind of okay um, I mean yeah that was that was interesting, and you know I you know returned it didn't think much about it and then about a year later um it was on t v and there was like nothing much else on and I was like, oh yeah, that was that movie that I only really remember like one scene from, I think it's a scene where like Electra's heart stops or something and I remember that one scene and I'm like, okay, I'll, you know, there's nothing else to watch, I'll give it another try. Um, and I watched it and I mean, it's still not, you know, it's not a great movie, but I realized that I was really sort of intrigued by the concept um, of this character. So I, I Googled Daredevil, I found uh, the manwithoutfear.com website I realized that, uh, oh, here are all these, like, grown-ups who are still reading comics and um, are reading Daredevil, and there's uh, apparently a lot of Daredevil to read, and I, so I just kind of dove head into that, um, and uh, so I guess it was sort of like I returned to my childhood interest of reading comics, and I started reading, like, you know, every single issue of Daredevil that I could find, I think this was back in 2005 or something, yeah, uh, so I started reading, I mean, I, I got, you know, I started from the beginning, I read all the Frank Miller, I read pretty much everything. So I think within just a few months, I'd read pretty much, I, I'm not, not going to say every appearance of Daredevil, but definitely every issue and a lot of the appearances in in, in other um, other comics too. And I would comment a lot on the message board uh, on manwithouttrio.com. And then, I mean, it was sort of in that era where, you know, people... Still ran blogs, so I decided to to start a blog, and Thanks. so I started uh, the other Murdoch papers, which of course is a play on the name of the the uh, story arc, the Murdoch Papers, by uh, uh, Brian Bendis and, and um, uh, Alex Mleib. So uh, that was in late two thousand seven, and I you know I haven't really paid that much attention it in the last about two two and a half years, but I'm I'm looking to pick it back up again very soon. And uh but for a good decade there, I um yeah, I I counted at one point and I realized I'd written more words on that blog than are in The Stand by Stephen King. So that tells wow. you about <laughs> so just the sheer amount of content. So um I would just write about um you know funny old stories like the the one we're gonna talk about today. And, um, and also one of my main interests and, uh, and that I've sort of become kind of known for is my, uh, kind of deep dive into, um, the, sort of the science of daredevil quote unquote, and, uh, daredevil senses and kind of what works and what doesn't work. I've always had a science interest. I have a master of science and engineering degree in biotechnology. So even though I don't work in that field or anything anymore, I've always had the science interest and, and, uh, always been interested in sort of neuroscience and, and that kind of thing, um, and how it connects to physics and, and all of that. So uh, so that's always been th- something I, I enjoy a lot, and I'm, I'm writing, I'm trying to write a book about it too that will, you know, eventually between now and like the end of the century will <laughs> be available in a book form hopefully. But So that's kind of how I uh, ended up um, becoming sort of consumed by Daredevil.
1: Wow. <laughs> Were there uh, Swedish editions of Daredevil comics uh, in the sixties or later on? Or?
2: Uh, later on, yeah, they did translate, um, particularly the Frank Miller run, which was really popular, like back in the like late seventies, early eighties. I'm I i do not know if they came out. Uh, I mean, I'm sure there was a delay of a couple of years, probably back then. I mean, that's even you know when when movies would come out like seven months apart on different continents. So, uh, <laughs> so I I do think. There may have been some older ones. Like I don't, ha- I had like one issue of Daredevil in Swedish, just for the the novelty factor. Um, so uh, it's it's a hard to translate name too for the character since the double, you know, entendre of Daredevil doesn't really translate. So, um, but what, what uh, was the
1: name? What, what is uh, name in Swedish? Yeah.
2: Oh, I he went by two different names. He went by uh I think Demonen, which means the demon or the demon, sorry, the demon. And then he also went by uh uh which um is really something you would say about someone who has, you know, the evil Knievel kind of Daredevil, someone who is, you know, daring, okay. uh, which <laughs> literally means dare throat. Um, it's not even a very pretty word. It just um, So I think they just eventually just went back to calling him Daredevil in, in English, which is um, how he's known in Swedish. So
1: I should ask also, like, is there a different name for Dr. Doom?
2: No, not that I know of. Okay. No. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> not that I know of, but I mean... Yeah, what would that be? Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. The issues that we're looking at today are are Daredevil 37 and 38 and Fantastic Four 73, which uh, cover dated February, March, April of 1968. And they're all part of a complicated little continuity knot that I'll probably get into a little bit of, of issues that were coming out around then. And the story actually technically starts right before this, and at the end of number 36, Dr. Doom just shows up out of nowhere in the last panel, which he does a lot. Like, there are a lot of (laughs) Dr. Doom stories where just the last panel of some issue, like, what are we going to do to lead into the next issue? Oh, Doom. Yeah, okay. Doom will kick it down the road a month, yeah. So Doom sort of uh, shows up and immediately yells, silence, which is his, his big pronouncement. Backhands Daredevil a bunch of times, and this is this crazy Gene Cohen scene of him just like beating Daredevil like seven ways to Sunday while uh, people look on, and then dragging him in a way to the Latverian embassy. Nobody interrupts him because, as he explains, uh, you need not concern yourself with petty traffic rules since we possess unlimited diplomatic immunity. I don't think Diplomatic Community actually works that way. I don't think so either. <laughs> there's like a fight scene that happens inside the car.
2: How how does yeah, this Yeah, there's even a work? lot of really contorted fight scenes.
1: <laughs> I know, you know Gene Colan loved drawing car chase scenes. There's there's an issue of, uh, I think, Captain America, where there's a, a car chase that goes on for, I think, 13, 14 pages, something like that. Car chases don't normally work in comics. It's a static medium, and then it turns out that uh, Doctor Doom's car has jet brakes.
2: How did it's a it's a weird application of jets to use them as brakes? Um, that, that's one one thing.
1: <laughs> um, you know, you you have more of a physicist background than I do. I, I jet brakes, yeah.
2: Yeah, unless you wanna unless you wanna send the vehicle, you know, moving very quickly in the opposite direction. I, I don't really right. see a use for it in, in real life, but um, who knows?
1: <laughs> There's a lot going on here. Uh, Daredevil's kind of thrown into a dungeon. He's trying to figure out the dungeon by like tapping the walls to see if they're weak. Any- is that how his senses tend to work?
2: Well I mean in the early like in, in a lot of silver Age comics he does have um I think it's even as early as Daredevil number three where he kind of breaks out of a cage by feeling for weaknesses in the in the sort of the, in the bars of the cage and bending them which of course is is kind of um, the kind of thing where like being able to do the first thing would not necessarily allow you to do, do the latter um, but but <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of that but but yeah, I mean, there's like, oh, my hypersensitive uh, fingertips can feel this. But, but it, I mean, that's always been, especially Silver Age comics. But even, even you know, more recently, it, it's always like, they have an explanation for how it works, but it doesn't like the way it's supposed to work doesn't necessarily connect with how it actually would work in real life because i mean for him to be able to sense a weakness there would have to be something for him to sense like is the weakness if it's if it's completely concealed from touch it doesn't matter if you have hyper senses you're not going to be able to feel it anyway but um yeah but i guess he finds a trap door um Somehow, which of course he it, it, like you're saying, if he was actually tapping on it, that would make more sense because I mean then maybe he'd be able to hear if there's like a you know kind of an empty space behind one of the one of the the panels of the wall or something, but he doesn't even do that. he just kind of slides his hands across it and magically and of course, a very sort of doom style he you know this all just leads to a, a weird sort of game on doom's part where he just um is tossed into this. Uh, uh, I mean, this part of the house where all the furniture are like, you know, uh, super. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. They're they're larger than they should be, so that Daredevil feels small. And then he's being turned upside down. And I just love how supervillains do this, just because they can. <laughs> but it makes like it's like I'm doing it because I can.
1: <laughs> One thing that we kind of see in the sequence is a big difference between the way that Jack Kirby drew stories and the way that Gene Colan drew stories. In Kirby's comics, as we'll see in the Fantastic Four coming up, every single panel shows us something different. It advances the plot in some way. Colan likes to draw things for psychological effect. So he'll linger on a scene for panel after panel after panel just to kind of Show us how the characters are reacting what what they 're feeling and what the the psychological situation is, which means that if Stanley is then filling in the dialogue, he has to vamp yeah. a lot like a lot <laughs> we see doom sort of like moving a lever uh, doom is very into levers at this mm-hmm. point. We just talked a few weeks ago about uh, issue of Avengers, where the whole plot hinges on like this gigantic lever that. Makes a dome cover the entire country of Latveria.
2: Yeah, you know that actually reminds me of there's a, there's one um, the uh, there's an issue of Daredevil. I don't remember which one it is, but where he's up against like some some big uh robot that's called i think the robot is called a plastoid or something i don't yes. remember the, yeah. yes which of, of course where there's like a dial and it's like it's on a scale from like zero to a 100 but you can somehow kind of break the system by turning it up to like more than a 100 and i'm like that's not usually how systems work <laughs> and it's the same kind of thing with like a lever you can pull but speaking of um about plastic dome, because one thing I wanted to mention that I that I spotted in that early, quite early in the first issue, Daredevil Number Thirty Seven, when mm-hmm. we're we're uh, suddenly made aware that they Doom and, and Daredevil are fighting on, like they're they're like in the subway or something, and there are all yeah. these people up on the platform, and then um, Doom sort of casts this I don't know some kind of material that makes this like plastic wall come up. And it's so funny to, to like, hear people be like, oh, it's a new kind of plastic. Because we're, like, back in an age where, like, new forms of plastic were, like, super cool. And I also, another thing, speaking of various materials that I love about Silver Age comics is that asbestos is still, like, you know, a thing that's super cool. And it's like, yeah, that turned out to not be very good for you. (laughs) So there's all these, like, kind of material science that's, like, super cool back in the 60s, but, you know... Yeah. yeah, I think
1: uh, in Invaders in the '70s, there's uh, the asbestos lady shows mm-hmm. up, and somebody, she, Roy Thomas, writes and she says something like, "There's still much I wish to learn about the criminal possibilities of asbestos."
2: <laughs> it causes cancer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that's 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 really about it. Um,
2: She'd only known.
1: Then we get another one of his inventions. He loves showing off his new devices. He's really really into showing them off. It's his hypnopticon to put him under hypnosis, but he can't be hypnotized because he's blind.
2: Daredevil will often go up against yeah. blinding rays and that kind of thing. It's funny how that happens.
1: But then there's there's another like impermeable dome. Lots of impermeable domes <laughs> having to do with this guy. Which he drops over Daredevil, a plexiglass cylinder, and then activates something which is a body transferring device. Now... It's very strange that Dr. Doom is using a body-transferring device, because he can do it without a device. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: We've seen him do it. He learned this from the Ovoids, the aliens that he encountered back in, like, Fantastic 410. Like, he can switch bodies with somebody just by thinking about it hard. We've seen him do it before this. We've seen him do it after this. Why does he need this gizmo? I'm making the who-knows gesture if you're listening. (laughs) But they've switched bodies. Now, as, as somebody who can probably call most Daredevil plots to mind better than I have, body switching, is this something Daredevil's done otherwise a bunch? Uh,
2: no, not that I can recall. He's had his uh, brain reprogrammed, um, but he was really? still in his own body. No, I can't, I can't recall another instance of body switching, but, um, but it, it's interesting because I think... Um, I mean, because this is how the that Daredevil number thirty-seven ends, is with the switch having happened, and then I think it's kind of funny how how they sort of forget at the end that the Daredevil is blind. I mean, they kind of make up for it in the next issue, but it's it's got this scene of like Matt, who is now in in Doom's body, just looking at his gloved hands, and it's like I have it's armor, but it's like. It's like the first thing he should be thinking is like I can see that would be like the first thing like what what is this but it's sort of like oh yeah we kind of forgot <laughs> about that so then you need to get back to that get back to that the in the next issue but um, there's a lot yeah there's a lot of stuff going on with that that whole like how they experience each other's bodies that's kind of fascinating to me. <laughs>
1: That's really the heart of what I I want to talk about this this next issue, Mm -hmm. Daredevil 38. But then I should say that a few weeks ago we talked about Fantastic Four Annual 3 where there's a scene where Daredevil is driving a truck. Yeah. And it's a a truck that very clearly has a windshield. Mm -hmm. How does that even work?
2: Um, There's, like, some this is kind of interesting because and we've seen him
1: fly a plane too, but
2: no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, yeah. The, the plane I think is there's, um, in Daredevil number 90, uh, Daredevil number 100, I think he flies a plane and you, no, he shouldn't be able to, but, but that's the kind of thing where like writers will differ. And some writers will, I think, I mean, there's one, uh, Frank Miller issue, which might be, is it from Port again? I can't remember it. But anyway, where he's driving, he's driving a, a car and he's actually commenting to himself that I should not be driving. It's something like whatever the, the, the windshield lets through the rain cuts away at or something like that. So it at least acknowledges that that it should be like greatly diminished um, and that that windows are I mean, that's a kind of that's a, a kind of situation where which happens a lot of times. in in Daredevil, where he will perceive something through a wall or a window or something like that, which he does a lot. But at the same time, his entire ability rests on him detecting objects. So it seems kind of convenient that, uh, you know, his radar sense, quote, unquote, which has been understood, you know, as different things. I mean, it's been understood as like literal radar, which makes very little sense. It's been maybe increasingly understood as more sort of traditional um, or echolocation on super speed or super, super, you know, (laughs) super heightened, um, which I think is my preferred, you know, interpretation and and I think makes more sense, but especially traditionally, it was believed to be some kind of electromagnetic um, wave. Um, where, of course, in real life, radio waves go through pretty much everything. That's how radio works. You know, uh, it will go through a body, it will go through everything. But he has this sort of convenient ability where it, like, if he needs it to go through a wall, it'll go through a wall. If he needs it to bounce off an object, it'll bounce off an object. So there's very little rhyme or reason to it. And and the thing with cars really depends on the rider. Uh, I think, I don't think I've seen him drive anything, uh, recently. And it, it, I can think of so many reasons why Daredevil should be driving that even if he could send stuff through the windshield, it's like, um, imagine just removing all the, uh, sort of indications like on the road itself that you rely on while driving. So whenever I do hear someone who is like, oh yeah, no, Daredevil could totally drive a car. It's just like, you know, um, it's just like, to be
1: fair, in, the, it, in that Fantastic Four story, he does drive the truck into the river. Yeah,
2: yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah. So there's been some cases of him driving, you know, poorly, uh, which they yeah. do sort of make a point of. So it, so it really, yeah. really depends on the writer. But I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff like that.
1: In Daredevil thirty eight, again, Gene Colan drawing, Stanley doing the script, Frank Giacoia inking. We open with Daredevil in Doctor Doom's body. Mm-hmm. Stuck in a prison cell, realizing he can see because he's got Doom's body, and immediately coming up with a way to lawyer his way out of the mm-hmm. situation. That's great. Like that's
2: yeah. I I actually it. think Giant uh, Number Thirty-Eight uh, is a pretty ambitious issue in a lot of ways. It's got it's got one ginormous plot hole that we'll get to, but. <laughs> um i mean it's got some plot crevices and you know dimples too but but it's got a, a one one giant pothole. um but it really it it's really quite ambitious and it also uh shows how Matt Burdock is actually a pretty smart guy and he's a great strategist, and you can understand why he's purported to be this you know a very successful lawyer so
1: what he does is immediately start ordering everybody around and pretending he's doom and just being like officious and bossy and awful and getting his way out of the cell that way real smart then we cut to doom in daredevil's body and there is an absolutely hilarious panel that i'm I'm sure i will paste on on the site of doom in daredevil's body strutting along his body language is completely dr doom it is not even vaguely daredevil body language (laughs) And he's thinking, Strange. I seem to sense things rather than see them. The world appears different to me than before. My vision is clouded yet sharpened at the same time. Perhaps it's due to the opaque eye filters on the costume. (laughs) And then he concludes, I suspect I have found the key to Daredevil's unique ability. By obscuring his normal vision, he has found a way to actually sharpen
2: the use of his own senses. Uh, Yeah. And and Doom's supposed to be a smart guy, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, that I, I, I love the panel you're referring to, uh, number one, but also the way they explain that. It actually kind of... Um, it, it's a really nice summary, though, of how writers have looked at Daredevil's senses in, in the sense that, on the one hand, it's clouded. On the other hand, it's sharper. Like, they always have this... It, it always, like, it needs to be different but better. You know, it can't just be what it is. It needs to be... Um, uh, it, it it always needs to be better, which is something I, I always felt has been you know ridiculous overcompensating. But it, it is fascinating that they would think that Doom wouldn't realize that he's blind. And the other thing, even though he would have all of Daredevil's senses, it's always kind of a, it's also kind of a stretch to imagine that he could be transferred into Daredevil's body and also have be able to use sort of the cognitive. Strategies that Daredevil would have years of training in how to interpret okay. this world yeah. through very different means, uh, and that for someone could ju- could just kind of slip into that um, that mode of being and be fine and not even realize that. Yeah, it it it's uh, it, it's quite funny.
1: Daredevil in Doom's body, in the meantime, uh, sends a desperate message to the Fantastic Four, warning them of what's going on. Let me get Gene Colan trying to draw the Fantastic Four. One of the things that we keep noticing on, on the show is that when anybody besides Jack Kirby in the 60s tries to draw the thing, nobody can draw the thing. Nobody knows how to do it. It's very, very hard to draw that character right. You know, even years later, like Steve Ditko trying to draw the thing, it's just like, no, no, that's, that's not Ben. What have you <laughs> done with Ben? That's not him. Reed, bless him, announces... If anyone could succeed at body transferal, Doom's the one. Yes, that's true. He's done it to you, Reed.
2: <laughs> yeah. I personally love making fun of Reed Richards, though, especially when he makes science mistakes, which he does a lot.
1: Doom in Daredevil's body sees uh, his own agents trying to attack him. Cue a fight scene. Of course. And Of course, he's, he too gets to take on the, the imperious voice of Doom because he can't shake the imperious voice of Doom because he's Doom more fighting, nearly full page panel, and then there's something about him having a a ring imperial, like he has a mind bending ring that he has under his glove which I don't think we've ever seen that before Is
2: it a mind bending ring though? I I interpret it as just sort of this is like only the true doom would wear this ring kind of thing, but maybe it is mind bending (sighs) I, think I that part. But
1: that, you know, the mind-bending bay- rays which only Dr. Doom can control shall furnish it without hesitation. Like, I think it's some kind of rays coming out of the ring. Oh, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. This yeah. is not
1: a ring that we've seen before oh, yeah, right. or after. This this <laughs> ring exists only here, as far as I know. Like, it's it's not something that has shown up again, like Doom's boulder gun, which is his greatest invention as far as I'm concerned. Like, the gun that sh- turns molecules into boulders and su- shoots boulders at people. No. That, nothing like that. I guess... Gene Colin confused him with the Mandarin or something?
2: Doom asks Daredevil walks by the office, law offices of, of Nelson and Murdoch, where Foggy and Karen are. And, of course, this reminds us of how this is happening in the middle, or, like, near the height, I guess, of the um, Mike Murdoch era of Daredevil, where Matt, for, like, 15 or 18 issues or something, pretended, you know, to have a twin and that he was, you know... Um, uh, and that Daredevil, uh, that Mike Murdoch, his made up twin was Daredevil. So, uh, so Foggy now spots, uh, Daredevil out the window, uh, Duma's Daredevil. He thinks it's Mike Murdoch, is Daredevil and he see he sees, um, uh, this Daredevil push his girlfriend around. Uh, so he's not happy and I guess there's going to be some repercussions there. I don't, I can't re- recall them exactly <laughs> what happens after this, but, um, uh but that's gonna that's gonna be something for uh Matt to sort out when he uh, gets his body back eventually which is also kind of funny though because Doom talks th- throughout this issue as if he's not gonna switch back like he talks about Daredevil be- will be forever trapped in this body and I'm like what <laughs> really
1: <laughs> does he ever really explain why he's doing any of this
2: no it's just, he likes contrived scenes. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty much... Yeah,
1: like, why would he want to switch with Daredevil's body even temporarily, let alone permanently?
2: Yeah, yeah, it's it's unclear. Um, another thing that's kind of funny, uh, which happens right after the scene with, with uh, Foggy and Karen, is that the two of them meet again. Uh, Doom is Daredevil and Daredevil right. is Doom. And Doom, they just kind of... I mean... Yeah, Daredevil gives him gives uh, or the real Daredevil gives the real Doom a radio, but it it's like it's almost as if Doom forgets what his plan is or something because they meet up and then they just walk their separate ways and it's just very, very yeah. unclear. Of course, Daredevil in Doom's body has a plan. Yeah, I mean Doom in Daredevil's body says go no need to pursue him or to battle him. He's trapped in that form forever. Uh, his plight is totally eternally hopeless, which is again what we were, you know getting back to what we were saying about the sort of like what's the what's the what's the goal here?
1: <laughs> Daredevil's brilliant plan is, of course, to call home back to Latveria and have Doom tell his uh, council to declare war on all of Latveria's neighbors. It yeah, seems like an extreme gesture, but okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it is clever, uh, and that's how he convinces Doom to uh, switch back bodies with him, so he can go, like, no, no, we we didn't really mean it we're, war's not happening nope, we're off, Daredevil back in his own body, suddenly finds a hatchet someplace, there's just like an axe that's lying around, because of the Mm -hmm. plot, and destroys the body switching machine which we know that Doom didn't actually need and declares that, well uh, now that we've done that, he can never do this again Because, yeah, there's no because. Doom uh, tells him he's free to go. He's free to go.
2: Yeah. uh, That's nice. Yeah.
1: Nice of you to say so.
2: Yeah, nice, uh, very nice gesture. Uh, But of course, at this point, or I guess what's about to happen is the introduction of what I'm calling the huge plot hole of this entire thing, is that Daredevil in Doom's body has tried to get the attention of the Fantastic Four to tell them that uh, someone who looks like looks like me, Daredevil, is on his way over to you guys. It's really Doom in my body, and of course he's doing this with the voice of Doom's body, so he sounds like Doctor Doom, which of course the Fantastic Four notice, and they're like, "Oh, but it does. It sounds like Doom." And I'm thinking, well, of course. I mean, if if, if we accept that this is true and Daredevil is in Doom's body, he would sound like Doom because he would be using Doom's vocal cords and everything. So they know this already, that it's Daredevil in Doom's body with Doom's voice. And then, uh, at the very end of this issue, Doom uses a, its a, what does he call it, a voice modulator? Yeah. yeah, to then sound like Daredevil. And now, with Daredevil's voice, he is now uh, sending another message to the Fantastic Four, which they are now sort of thinking that, oh, now we know it's Daredevil because it's in Daredevil's voice, <laughs> but Doom is supposed to be in Daredevil's body, and this is just, like, never cleared up. It is like... <laughs> so they're just, like, well, sticking clearly with Clearly
1: there's something like, hinky through- going on. Yeah. Like- Obviously, there's something amiss going on. It involves Daredevil somehow. It involves Doom somehow. There's going to be an attack of some kind, and it's confusing enough that, look, it's reasonable for them to be on their guard, Mm -hmm. right? I guess. Uh, This is where we go over to Fantastic Four 73, which a lot of online sources note is an appearance of Doctor Doom. Doom actually never appears in any form in this issue never shows up it's daredevil all the time but he's behind the scenes let's say he's behind the scenes and this is uh (laughs) stan lee jack kirby joe sinat beautiful looking guest starring everybody this is practically an annual in terms of like how many guest stars show up Mm -hmm. so and they
2: all just happen to be there
1: uh, they have a bit of a conversation about it you know How can you be sure that Daredevil is really doomed? Because the real Daredevil called to warn us. But how'd you know it was the real Daredevil? Don't you remember? We checked his voice against the audio record on our VOCA file.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: Something hinky's going on. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: (laughs) Uh, But then, so Daredevil, whose eyes we can now see through his mask holes here?
2: I know, I noticed that too. Fine. Bizarre, Yeah.
1: Yeah, uh, that's, that's Kirby. I mean, Kirby couldn't remember how anybody was drawn from <laughs> month to month. Like, like, the Marvel office was, by this point, routinely sending him photostats of the issue he had drawn the month before, just so he would remember what had happened. Oh, really? <laughs> Daredevil is rushing toward the Fantastic Four, but he's going to reveal Doom's secret of body transferal to Reed Richards, since Reed has forgotten the time that Doom switched bodies with him. And suddenly the Human Torch attacks but there's a convenient water tower.
2: Yeah, there's there's a lot of convenient stuff going on here. And there's also, and, and there's always, of course, I mean, this is classic Silver Age comics. Like, you know, it's sort of like fight first, like shoot first, ask questions later is what they do. I mean, shooting metaphorically, uh, where you have all the, I mean, of course, all these heroes fighting each other, such a classic, you know, uh, thing at this point. But Daredevil barely tries to even speak to them uh when they're attacking it's like there's a lot of like you know thought bubbles going on like a lot of inner inner uh, monologue on Daredevil's part but he doesn't really try to explain himself very much and you'd think that if he could just maybe tell them something that only he uh Daredevil would know from some earlier adventure they've been on there have been a few Um, um although of course I mean if if he were able to reveal that he's also Matt Murdock, that that would help because um, you know in, in Daredevil number two, Mac Murdock is actually the lawyer who is um, uh, contracted to renew uh, the lease on the the Baxter Building. So if I mean if he could have revealed himself, I mean he, he could have uh, told them that part, but but it's. Um, uh, yeah, he doesn't even really like he explains himself to, to Spider-Man, who is, of course, a sympathetic listener at this point <laughs> and doesn't believe him to be doomed initially. But but there's there's just like if people could just learn to talk to each other, there would just be so much more, you know, peace in the world <laughs> or in the Marvel it's, Universe. It's a, it's a
1: misunderstanding fight. Yeah. The misunderstanding fights are kind of the bread and butter of superhero comics. And you know, it's, it's great to see Spider-Man show up immediately after we get the Water Tower. Spider-Man is very, very closely associated with Water Towers, at least when Ditko is drawing him. Uh, and then suddenly Thor shows up in the middle of Thor number 150, where he's got his own big fight with the Wrecker going on. Uh, and we somehow end up with uh, you know, a multiple-part fight. Uh, Mr. Fantastic attacks them. There's this weird scene where... Reed Richards is trying to restrain Daredevil. The thing is trying to attack him. And Daredevil kicks him. And the thing says, Your nerve blast ray, you used it against me? Now, that's Stanley writing around a weird, weird thing in the artwork, which is Daredevil being able to kick the thing across the room.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Probably can't do that. He's str- He's not that nah. strong. Reed apparently has a nerve blast ray, which. He uses somehow on Ben? We both know Doom had a body transfer array. It wasn't a ray. Uh, so how do I prove he hasn't used it on me? He did! <laughs> Stan, are you sure you're the same person who was writing the issue that came out last week?
2: Well, I mean, he probably sure? uh, he probably wrote like 12 issues in between those two, right?
1: <laughs> That's very true, yeah. Uh and and uh, th- then there's also a, a demolo gun. Mm-hmm. Just a piece of Kirby tech that blows up part of a rooftop. It looks like half of the Baxter building get, gets blown open. This is never mentioned again. Uh we're we're back at Spider-Man and Thor and Thor climbing hand over hand across a web that Spider-Man has has spun, which is lovely. Fighting fighting fighting. Eventually, like ten pages into the story, read this like, "Huh, I wonder if he is the real Daredevil," and doesn't go on with just just you know keeps attacking him. We get a Thor versus Thing fight just because everybody has to get involved. It's just a gigantic, ridiculous fight scene that doesn't really yield anything but a gigantic, ridiculous Kirby fight scene, and that's fine. You know, there's a place for gigantic, ridiculous Kirby fight scenes. Interesting thing is when. Uh, Reed Richards thinks he's blindfolded Daredevil by stretching his body around him and uh, then assumes he's a Doombot. Right. Because he can find his way out of it.
2: Yeah. Which, yeah. Want we'll to talk about that a little? Yeah, it, it's like there there's um, so many ideas out there that you would think would be like low-hanging fruit at this point that are just like, no, let's just... Let's do whatever the opposite of Occam's razor is, because that's, that's pretty much the divine <laughs> issue.
1: Finally, yeah. on the next to last page of the story, we get to Daredevil getting to make an argument. You know, suppose you had to prove you were really you. How would you do it? Mm-hmm. It's a good argument, mister. You should have been a lawyer. Yeah, okay. Uh, he doesn't even get to do that. The resolution is that Sue Richard shows up and, and solves the plot.
2: Yes, from just having listened to the radio.
1: Yeah. Uh, 6 p.m. TV news. Yeah.
2: Oh, sorry, TV news. Yeah. I'm sure we saw the radio too. If 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 just if they had just had one, you know, one radio turn on in in uh, in their lab there, that that could have saved them a whole issue of trouble.
1: <laughs> it's weird that he doesn't talk his way out of it. It's weird that Daredevil and Fantastic Four then leave Doom alone cuz Reed explains uh, that uh, we can't invade the sovereignty of his own nation. He's not in his own nation. He's in New York. Yeah.
2: Although I guess he will be on his way back to Latveria to, to kind of sort out all the, um, uh, take right. care of all the, you know, fallout from the, the near war with his neighbors. Yeah, this is, uh, this is Silver Age crazy. <laughs> so, what does the relationship
1: between Daredevil and Doom go on to look like?
2: they don't have much of a relationship which is also which makes this kind of you know even even weirder how daredevil becomes so central to to what doom is planning here although it also i mean planning uh i mean it it's clear from the beginning that doom just sort of happens upon daredevil in the beginning of daredevil number 37 (laughs) where daredevil just happens to be he's he's kind of recovering from his uh his wounds from like the, the previous issue plot. where yeah. he was fighting somebody else and sort of yeah. left on the railroad tracks and doom just happens to be there which is um also kind of convenient everything here is contriving convenient so there's a lot of D- dsx machina stuff happening um and uh a lot of uh but but it is it, it's a very i mean i i think these issues are um they are very entertaining uh, and I kind of enjoy making fun of, of you know, Silver Age comics like this. Because, I mean, even, you know, some, some Silver Age comics are, are, of course, excellent, even from, like, a narrative standpoint and everything. But some of them really do go super crazy. and uh, But there's something to enjoy about that, too. Like, that you, can, it's, you can enjoy it in a different way than you would enjoy something that's super high quality um, all the way through. So uh, it's, it's something fun to laugh at.
1: So do you want to talk a little about the Save Daredevil
2: Sure. Yeah. Uh, the, yeah. Yeah. The Save Daredevil campaign is. Um, I mean, it's a fan campaign that has a lot of fandom support. Uh, we are. I'm one of a member of, of sort of the core team who kind of uh, plans uh, and, and sort of runs the uh, initiatives we do through this campaign. It, of course, launched after the uh, the Daredevil uh, TV show, and of course, all the other Defender shows were were canceled at, at Netflix. And we've been um, very vocal and um, very, um, I I mean, we've had a lot of success, I think, in sort of making our voices heard and becoming sort of known, (laughs) hopefully, (laughs) uh, with the people who we're we're trying to reach. Um, But it's also been, I mean, even while we're, we're, you know, sort of uh, fighting to get, um, I mean, sort of the end goal here is, of course, to to. The, um uh Charlie Cox uh and the other I, I mean back as Daredevil and the other uh cast members of, as well in some capacity capacity preferably um you know to get his own show back in, in some form. But I mean that that's that's sort of the end goal. But um but it's also been a really fun time as a fan because we've it's I mean I've gotten to know so many other Daredevil fans, some who came in only from watching the show, some who have, like me, been reading Daredevil for many years, and uh, some who have been have started reading Daredevil, the comics, after seeing the show. And um, it's just been such a nice, fun, uh, positive campaign. And it's also something I appreciate when we get a lot of feedback from people who are saying, like, oh, the Save Daredevil, Daredevil people are, are always so kind of nice and polite and, you know, on message. Uh, so we, we really appreciate that. So... Uh, if people want to check us out, we're at savedaredevil.com, and we have social media accounts under that name in most places. We're renew Daredevil on um, Twitter because we started, you know, we started that campaign on Twitter actually before, uh, before it was um, formally canceled. So people are, um, you know, feel free to check us out and also sign the petition <laughs> that we. Um, you can find a link to on our website.
1: Christine Hannefelk, thank you so much again. Next week, the Comics Critic and former Comics Alliance Editor-in-Chief, Laura Hudson, will be joining me to discuss Marvel Superheroes number 20. Meanwhile, if you've got any questions about anything having to do with Dr. Doom, this show, or Latverian culture in general that you'd like us to answer, the address to email them to is faithfulretainerboris at voiceoflatvaria.com. The Voice of Latveria podcast is made possible by the patronage of listeners like you. If you support us through patreon.com slash douglaswolk, You'll get access to our private book club and discussion board for Marvel nerds, the 616 Society. You can find out more about this podcast on our website, voiceoflatveria.com, and follow us on Twitter. This is Douglas Wolk for the VOL.
0: Douglas Wolk appears by special arrangement with Universe 1218. His book, All of the Marvels, is a guided tour of 60 years and half a million pages of the Marvel comic story. All of the Marvels will be published by Penguin Press this October. Lord Doom commands you to order it. Zero, one, eight. This is the voice of Latvilia. Zero, one, eight. Take you now to a press conference with Lord Kevin Plunder at New York's JFK Airport. Lord Plunder, is it true that you prefer being called Kzar, Lord of the Jungle? And... Would you tell us why you've come to the United States? What about the fact that it took an act of Congress to allow you to bring that beast with you? I travel nowhere without Zabu. The whole nation is wondering why you've come here. It is purely personal. I must discuss legal matters about my estate with my lawyer. How about a story for our female readers, are. What does it feel like to become a blue-blooded nobleman after having lived as a savage all your life?
1: You'd better keep a tight rein on that saber-tooth if he ever breaks loose.
0: How do you plan to use your newly acquired fortune? I have nothing more to say. We'll check in again later if there are any further developments. This concludes our broadcast day. May Doom's terrifying face inspire you to devotedly implement his policies until you die. (laughs)